Thank you, thank you, thank you, Janet. Wow. How can you perform so constant of the top of the line goodness? Thank you so much. I love that selection. And hello, everybody. What a study we have today. And of course, I know we won't have time to finish it, but it will be interesting I'll repeat some things that we've talked about before, but I'll have all kinds of goodies that are new and important because this manifest revelation is opening the Bible in a new and living way and bringing all of the Bibles together from one end of it to the other, from Genesis to Revelation, so that it all has a connectedness, a linking and an understanding. And of course, the understanding isn't what, uh, in ever sense, that other people have thought it to be. So, hang and hold. Well, as we get into this, we'll be reading from the Seven Thunders book. Uh, we have several interesting uh, things to study there about. And... Um, but just before we get into that, I want to talk about the mark of the beast. Because um, we need to understand the full and total, you know, meaning of the, of the beast thing. Because if we don't really fully, totally understand that, then it is, uh, it's rather difficult. Rather difficult to know what, what is about. So, in the book of Revelations, and uh, we're looking at the thirteenth um, uh, chapter, and we'll we'll read um, we'll read verse fourteen. <clears throat> so it's um, thirteen, uh, the thirteenth chapter and the fourteenth verse, and deceiveth them that dwell on earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do, in the sight of the beast. 
Say unto them that dwell on earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all both small, great, rich, and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark of the beast, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. And his number is six hundred three score and six. A score, of course, when you multiply it three times, there's twenty, it gives you also sixty. So it's six, six, six. Six hundred and sixty-six. Now, God is looking for people that have wisdom. God wants us to be able to understand these things. Now, one of the things that we have to really understand is how that in Ecclesiastes, it clearly says uh, in Ecclesiastes 3.18 that we should pray that human beings, that mankind would understand that it would be manifested to them that they are beasts. So when we look at that aspect that, that mankind represent beast and then when we we look at the understanding um, how that um, <clears throat> there was um, uh, these beasts that are described uh, you know both in the book of uh, Ezekiel 110 and Revelations 4 7 through 8 and there was four beasts and they had four faces and uh, they they were uh, involved with the cherubimic and seraphimic uh, uh, angels who were uh, acting as caretakers and representatives of the beasts. And the beast first described four ancient constellations of each celestial hemisphere, north, south, east, west, and first represented the pre-Adamic beast, which were pre-Adamic humans, you could say, or humankind, or mankind. And um, they did not have souls. And then there, later, after the flood, there was also four genetic rivers who had souls, Noah, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Now I've had some people say that Noah was not, you know, did not after the flood uh, produce any children. But uh, I've I've read it to you before, taught you before. It is in the Bible. It clearly shows that Noah did uh, have uh, family and and have uh, seed uh, after the flood. And not don't have time to go into that right now. <coughs> so we have the four kinds of of mankind that were pre-Adamic, did not have souls before the flood. And then we had, we have four kinds of, of soul humans. Now, 
humans have a body soul and they can have a spirit soul. The ones that have a spirit soul, they, they have a heritage. They have a birthright, which means that they came from heaven. They came from the heaven of the heavens, the first domain. They have, they have souls, spirit souls. They also have body souls. Even animals have body souls. And so we have to get that down because as we get that down, <clears throat> we understand that this thing that has to do with beasts, just from these couple of scriptures I've read, and there's many other scriptures, I gave you Ezekiel 1.10 and uh, Revelations 4, 7, and 8. I gave you the uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 3.18, which all describe human beings as being beasts and there being four kinds of them. Okay? Now, the scripture says that um, in uh, Revelations that I read to you that uh, the beast has a number. And, uh, and it says in there that, um, you know, um, that it's going to take some wisdom to understand what that number is. And it said, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. Now, we have to understand that human beings are basically water and carbon. And the number of carbon six electrons, six protons, six neutrons, is six, six, six. Now, the equation of that is that that number is the number of man in the 100-fold revelation. It's a 100% number of humans. So we get the 666 by understanding that hundredfold revelation of the 666, which is the atomic number or the atomic representation of, of carbon, uh, carbon as an endless creation. Six electrons, six protons, six neutrons. Now, if you don't have that particular uh, arithmetic of the 100%, which means the highest uh, evolved, uh, the highest emerged uh, aspect of that, that carbon is represented in, then uh, you are an animal without a soul. But when you get to be an, an uh, uh, and I'm talking about spirit soul, you have a body soul, but you don't have, and you have a spirit, but you do not have a spirit soul and a body. Okay, uh, uh, you know, you the both. You only have the one. Now, as we begin to understand that, and people say, "Yeah, but the real secret of this is that you can't buy or sell." Yeah, well, uh, tell me about any of the animals out there. Any animal. I don't care. Take the smartest monkey there is. None of these animals can buy or sell. So 
the only animals that can buy or sell are the soul people, which the whole earth is full of, of spirit soul people who used to be ophanims before they fell. And no one is going to ascend up into the, the first domain, Jesus said, and he said this was a great mystery, unless they had fallen from there. And he, as the Son of Man, was representing humankind. And so if you didn't come from there, you're not going back to there. And no one's going to buy or sell. Someone says, oh, that's, you know, I think that had to do with these little codes that they put on, on food and packages. Um, I get this picture. The way that the black market works today, look at the people that even in prison, they can get dope, they can get almost any, anything that they really work on to get in. For instance, cell phones are not legal in prison, but they get so many cell phones in there that they, it's just, it's just unbelievable how that they figured out how to get it in and how they get in the dope. And out in the world with the, the contraband and all that, people find ways of marketing and getting food. They, they live, so a, a mark on it wouldn't stop people from getting, getting, uh, you know, <clears throat> and and from getting food and from buying and, and you know and so forth like that, they could still get what they wanted. As far as as receiving the mark in the right hand and your forehead, uh, that is representing your right hand is your is is your rights. Your forehead is the freedom to think and express yourself. And once this, you know, kingdom of the, of, of the beast is set up, uh, that will be the idea uh, to, to stop people from being able to express anything but the image of the beast. And uh, how will they be able to express the image of the beast? Well, I want to show you today that on the fifth day of creation, that Lucifer implanted in the creation in such a way that as it advanced, even in the food through which it would advance, and even in the atmosphere and the environment through which it would advance, that it would eventually penetrate all living things. And he was especially after the idea, because he knew there would eventually be, be uh, fallen angels put into bodies, that it would eventually uh, penetrate those those bodies. So that there would be uh, signal capsules in there, and then the day would come, and we're going to show that, we're going to get into that, when he would, he would hiss. He would hiss like a, like a snake hisses and call forth these signals to, to begin to come forth in the body, and then people would have the choice to either uh, become susceptible to that or to really fight it, to fight that image that's coming forth into them that, that is, is a satanic, uh, Luciferian image uh, and, and so forth. Now, I have taught this message years and years and years ago. And, and um, I never heard anyone else teach it. Uh, there are some other people out there that have written about it and taught it. But most of those people uh, have uh, gotten the message 
from the teachings I have done in the past. And, uh, uh, th and th because my teachings on this go way, 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 way back, you know, like 30, 40 um, or more years. And um, we taught these, these things about uh, what was going to happen. And we're going to explain some of these uh, important things. But as you begin to understand that this carbon man uh, with, with, with the hundredfold, the soul, which is the, is the hundredfold uh, purpose of, of uh, the human being being on earth, and then you get you, get you your, 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 660, your 666 uh, number. It's the number of a man. It's not the number of of some some uh, a thing that that uh, uh, that people um, you know put a stamp on or or put a code number and code number on. It's not it's not the code number of food. It's not the code number of merchandise. That's not what the Bible says. It says it's the number of a man. The number of a man, not, not the number of merchandise, not the number of food. <laughs> Come on. And, and so it is the number of man, which is 666. And, and so it's a very important revelation for people to understand that and understand this thing about the image. That, and, and so these people are being told, you should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and to live. And, and, they're saying this because they know that every human being has the capability to bring forth that image of the beast which was put in them from birth. Now, there's a parallel world there. Another thing that was put into to, uh, uh, people from birth was, was a, a contra to that. And and we read that in the book of John. I've read that to you, you know, uh, you know, many times before. But there's always a contra. Whenever there is something of a spiritual nature that happens, it is always allowed for there to be something of a negative nature that has happened. So it says in the in the in the Gospel of John, it says, um, you know, and this is uh, this this is so important. Chapter one, verse nine. That was the true light which lighteth every man. There's no exception. No respecter of person. Every single man that cometh, and that's like man and woe man, so it's human mankind. Every man that cometh into the world, every person that is born into this world, they are lit with this light which Jesus described as the kingdom of God within. Every person who has a soul, has the kingdom of God within. But not only do they have the kingdom of God within, they have the kingdom of Satan within too. And, and uh, that's what people have to understand. That's why Paul described this enemy that was in his nature. And, and why he claimed that sometimes he did things that was not even his will to do, but but was this thing in him? And that's why demons are so comfortable pos possessing human beings, because there is a kingdom. There is a kingdom of Satan in there. Now people say, "Oh, I don't like that sound." Well, now isn't that unfortunate that you are so dipped in in simplicity that you can't comprehend that's the same description that happened in the book of of john 
uh, you know, where it says, there was a light that shone in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. One of the biggest problems in the churches today is people not comprehending the word. They want it simple. They want it so simple that it's not even human. Because the human body is not simple. They just recently begin to figure out the genome, just recently. And they haven't even begun to, 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 to understand the brain. And the body is a very, very complicated organ. And they call it, a, you know, a, a complexity. And, uh, and it's one of the complexities that, that is one of the biggest challenges to the theory of evolution. And so it's so important for you to understand this message and listen to this message. And don't get on this, this, this uh, you know, uh, hay, hay wagon, you know. You, you need, you, there, there's, a, there's a gospel train. There's a gospel ship. You can bring forth out of yourself. The Bible says that, every, every, that the wise person has treasures within that they can bring forth. So then if you've got the wise person that can bring forth the good treasures, treasures, you must have the, the ignorant, the unwise person that can bring forth the evil treasures. And that's why from the pottery uh, maker's hands can come both, the, both the, the, the vessel of honor and the vessel of dishonor, all dealing with the, the human genome and the human possibility of things. And so Satan has a plan, and his plan, you know, he, he can't just go out and start taking over people, and, you know, uh, just uh, forcing them because, because that violates the angelic laws. God does not do that, nor does he uh, want his angels to cause that or, or his ministers to cause that. He wants everybody to have the right of, of a will. And, and nothing is allowed to violate that. They, they will not allow the forces of darkness to violate that. They will not allow the forces of light to violate that. And so in the end, when you are judged, it's going, you're going to be judged because you decide it. And that's why in the, the allegory and in in, in depictions in the days of Moses of the two mountains... The mountains of the blessings and the mountains of the curse. And the children of Israel had to pass between those. And, and God said, choose you this day who you will serve. You have to make that decision. You have to choose which mountain is going to rise up in your life. You've got the kingdom of Satan in there, which is, which is <laughs> all part of the beast mentality. And you've got the kingdom of, of God in there, which is part of the Holy Ghost mentality. And don't think the Holy Ghost isn't in there, because if the Holy Ghost isn't in the kingdom of God, it's not the kingdom of God. Now, as we begin to think about these things, it can't do anything but get more and more exciting. It just gets more and more exciting all the time. There's just no questions about it. And um, we have this understanding then of um, of this whole representation, as I mentioned, of the beasts, which turns out to be the four kinds of, of humankind, as represented, as I said, in Ezekiel 1.10 and, and Revelations 4, 7, and 8, and which describes us as beasts in Ecclesiastes 3.18. 
And it is so important to get that down, to get that story, to understand that, because you really can't understand an awfully big part of the, of the Bible. Now, we know that there were, there were creatures that lived on this earth, and, and, and people have to get the understanding. They have to get the understanding of this thing about time. In, in, time is not relevant to God. And so when people say, I just can't believe that, you know, that the earth has been going on for billions of years. Well, I'll tell you, when I was only about 22, 23 years old, I was teaching in a Sunday school class that the earth was over four and a half billion years, uh, years and using the Bible to do it. The Word of God is wonderful. It, these things are in the Word. The sad thing is that the Christians not wanting to open up the word because they were they were confused as as to the christian hearsays and and indoctrinated types of teachings uh that those things were not true and and so they became so captivated by them that that they just kept carrying on that ignorance and then that made a lot of people not believe the bible not believe god's word What's rising up now is God is raising up a people with a manifested revelation that are going to go out and going to, going to blaze with this word and people of all different levels of knowledge are going to be, begin to be able to see this light and this is going to be like the trigger that will eventually cause the knowledge of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Cover the seas. Blessed be the name of God. There, there, are, there are many things like, you know, like people, there's people that say, well, you know, I don't believe, I don't believe the flood story, you know, that, about it covering the whole, the whole uh, earth, the whole world. Well, that's only because you haven't got the understanding of the truth. See, the manifest teaches that the, that the flood happened somewhere between 10 to 13,000 years prior to the timetable that has been used by Christians and by people that have listened to what Christians have said as far as what the time element is. And when you use that time element, you know, the archaeologists and, and the people that are into all that kind of an earth study, they can't make it come, come to pass. They've had all kinds of other problems with the scriptures because they would be a, something about a certain city or, 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 or a certain event that was supposed to happen in a certain area, and it's supposed to have happened at a certain time, and when they would go and check that archaeologically-wise, it, it would not be there, and they say, well, the Bible's not true. But then eventually some archaeologists would go and, and study and they, they would find that, that it was happened at a later, it happened at, a, at an earlier time. And because they did not apply it to the earlier time, but tried to apply it to a later time, it wasn't true for the later time because it was the earlier time that it happened. And it's the same thing with the flood. And, and the earth, the, the manifest teaches that that, uh, you know, uh, approximately uh, between 10 and 13 years, and we can be more specific, but I'm just making it simple for you, 
that there was a you know a, a, a melting of a great ice age, and it was closing out on the face of the earth, and and all this uh, melting ice began to uh, cause the oceans to swell. And when this uh, uh, large amounts of water began to fell into these areas, and there was this incredible earthquake that the Bible says broke up the fountains of the deep. So subduction zones were raised up over other subduction zones, and this created uh, tidal waves sweeping at hundreds of miles an hour. Incredible uh, uh, tidal waves. Many, 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 many stories high. Because the water was as high as the mountains and, and over the mountains. And that's why this manifest story of how that Noah's Ark was built on the 17,000 foot elevated mountain of Hermon. So that by time the real uh, damaging swift waters of the tidal waves reached the level where the Ark was, the greatest force was out of it. And, of course, we have Bible for all of that. And we've preached on it. And if you get on our um, site where some of the teachings are uh, on, the fl on the flood and so forth, you can get the biggest part of that information. And we'll be getting into more things. And the Bible says in, you know, in, in Genesis that uh, God, that there was whales that were made. But, you know, how a dictionary is. A dictionary, you get a word, and then you, you, you have maybe eight or ten, and it could be less than that. It could be three or five or six, but it could be eight or ten different uh, translational kinds of interpretation of that word. Well, the word whale is at the very bottom. It's the last possible use of it, you know, the last possible use. And and people people just don't they don't grasp it they don't understand that the first use of it you know was um, tanin which which means land or sea monster serpent dragon which ties into the to these huge dinosaurs so what's in the Bible it just hasn't been manifested it's right there. It is right there. It was the first perspective of the interpretation definition, but the, the translators never used it because they couldn't grasp when, when, the, when the Bible was uh, put together, the King James, approximately 1,600 years after Jesus Christ. They couldn't fathom it. But now the word is being brought to light. We begin to understand that it says it right there. It talks about these monsters. It talks about these dragons, which is another word for, can, can be another word for, for uh, you know, the uh, Leviathan type of, of monsters that were, you know, along the line of the dinosaurs. It's all beautiful. It's all that the word of God is true. It's true. And some people say, I just can't believe that there was these, you know, people that have evolved into human beings from animals. Well, 
Are you an expert on that subject? You have any degrees? You have any just plain common sense? You know, do you know the Bible? Well, let's just look and see what the Bible says. Let's look and see what the Bible says some of these critters were like. Let's look at uh, Luke 7.2. Pardon me. Daniel 7.2. Go to Daniel 7.2. And let's just take a fast look at this. This is a really, really important documental stuff that you need to take in the most serious way and really listen to this today. This is a chance, of an, op- chance an opportunity of a lifetime to be able to uh, be receiving this word with these kind of revelations. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. Say that to yourself over and over, and then remember to pray for us that God will give us the strength and that God will go before us uh, with this word. And it wouldn't hurt anything if you prayed for us to have a little financial, additional financial help. I'm not asking you to do anything you don't want to do, but at least you could pray. Blessed be the name of God. All right. Here we go. Daniel 7-2. Here we go. And here's what it says. And Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the earth. You notice the four winds of the earth, the four corners of the earth, the four directions of the earth, the four rivers of the earth, the four kinds of humankind. All ties together. Four winds of the heavens strode upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion, and, and had eagle wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon his feet as a man. Now, we have to understand this thing about metaphors. We have in, in, in Galatians the story of the two mountains, which are called allegories by the Bible. We've got to get that down. We've got to get that down. We've got to get this thing down that there are shadows and types and patterns that are physical patterns that represent spiritual things. And then we have to understand that sometimes they're not just physical patterns uh, or, or metaphors, but they're, they're literal. And one of the things here, we can see that there, there are these beasts, there's the four kinds, and if, if you read it carefully, you can understand that they represent humankind, and you look at the nations today, and there's these different nations, the, the uh, you know, uh, uh, one nation will have the emblem of a tiger, uh, Rome used to have the emblem of, of, of lions, United States has the emblem of the eagle. And, and, of course, God allows that these beasts can change over the courses of time. But this still ends up being beasts. Still ends up being four kinds of beasts. Some of them are sort of mingled together with other beasts because of the increasing population and the, the change of, of people of different types moving together. But the story is still always there. But in the fourth verse it says, the first was like a lion, had eagle's wing, and held to the wings thereof were plucked, and it was made, 
It was, it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon his feet as a man. Here is an early type of, of creature that the Bible is already telling us obviously did not, did not walk. Not walk in the sense of that man walks. Not, did not stand up erect. But, you know, maybe was bent over like some of the, some of the monkey world critters are. They have their two legs, and then they would sort of bend over and use their front arms to sort of move through the forest and then get up the trees. But here we see an advance that is told, where this critter is made to stand on his feet like a man. And so we know that that is something that happens, and we know that is something that is taken away. Like the serpent man, the Gihon, in the book of Genesis, who was told, because of what you've done, you're going to lose your ability to, 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 to be like a human being, like a man. And now you're going to go back, you're going to, you're going to degenerate and go back to crawling on your belly. To just living for food. You're going to, you're going to lose your reasoning. You're going to lose this, this man advance that, that you had. And then we know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He had, until seven times passed over him, he degenerated and went all of the way back to like the bird man, and he was out there crawling around on the ground like an animal, eating with the animals. So we know that regeneration and degeneration happens in the human and man type of human category or categories. It's there. It's there about the, the type of critters that that later become capable of standing on their feet like a man. The story is there. It's in the Bible. Wow. So as we as we begin to to really get into these things. And I gave, told you about this thing about the, the serpent, and it, you know, it take, it's, it was t his ability to stand on his feet was taken away. Genesis 3.14. So it, it went into degeneration after it became part of this group that deceived Eve. And there's more. There, there are more scriptures along that line. But, you know, I can't spend too much time on each one of these because if I do, we're not going to get anywhere. We've got a long ways to go. Now, we know this story goes back, when we're talking about Lucifer, we know it goes back to the, the constellation of the Drago or the Draco. And there's an interesting thing that I, I picked up where it talks about the symbology of the dragon represents human DNA. And you know when the Bible says that the tail of the dragon 
was, was, was responsible for casting one-third, which were the Ophanim stars. You had the one-third, which was Seraphim. You had the one-third, which was Cherubim. And one-third, the Ophanim. And one-third, that the Ophanim, the tail of the dragon, cast him to earth. And the tail of the dragon happens to be the progenitive part of the dragon. And so there's the dragon's symbology actually has been shown to represent DNA. Wow. How interesting. Last week we talked about some of the different, you know, you know everything from primates to the various kinds of human type type critters, Anthropithecus, Pharisans, the Humo abulius, the Humo erectus, the Humo uh, Neanderthals, and then the, the, the new one they've recently found, you know, the, the Denisova. There's a lot that has gone on. And then, of course, there's the more ancient type of humans, uh, which were nevertheless humans, called, but they called them Cro-Magnon, and, and, and then Homo sapiens, and then, of course, humans. So it's just all exciting as we think about those kind of connections. And we talk about, you know, the legends and the symbolisms that were found, uh, you know, as, um, you know, stories of the, uh, of the Sumerians and the Arcadians and the Babylonians, messages that they left in clay cuneiform tablets and um, uh, th that 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 these uh, stories were just, you know, mythology. They they were just myths. But I mean, uh, Zacharias uh, Stitchin, uh, he didn't take them as being mythology. He took them from being a real thing that happened. Now there are some interesting things that you know could be said about all of that, that uh, are uh, are more interesting than a person would really think that have to do with, um, you know, uh, what did happen at the flood when, uh, you know, uh, the, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what was the coming of the Son of Man going to be? One or two would be in the field, one taken, two would be in the, you know, uh, at the mill, one taken, one left. And, uh, and then you have the story there of eventually they all meet in the air. And they're taken to another place, which Jesus describes in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John as the Father's house. It's a planet. It's a planet. People think that they're taken to heaven. No. It's heaven the same way earth is heaven. Now, people don't understand about earth and heaven on this planet. But in the book of Genesis, it says that the dry ground was called earth. And it said the firmament, which was the sky, was called heaven. So when you're talking about a planet, you're talking about heaven too. But you're not talking about the heaven of heavens. And a lot of people get that confused between the heaven of heavens, which is a spirit realm, and the, the heaven of the planet, or the heaven of space, which are physical realms. And that is very, very important. And it's very, very important to understand the divine impressions that have been put, 
you know, uh, uh, omnipresently in the entire whole universe called the, called the soundtrons, which have in it the wills of God. So God has a plan, and his divine impressions are in the entire whole universe. And they are all tied into, you know, uh, various latolutionary plans. So, blessed be the name of God, it is a beautiful construction of truth that is being shown to us. Well, not only then did the did God, with his zits, take up the, the children of Enoch? And Enoch had quite a few children, plus not to mention grandchildren. So there was a good-sized group of, of the offspring of Enoch. And they were taken, they were taken up and out to the Father's house, planet. But once you open a door... Like I said earlier, you open another door. And then Lucifer took his, his giants that it describes in the sixth chapter of Genesis because you had sons of God began to marry the daughters of men. And the sons of God were the, were the offspring of Adam, of Saith, the son that took the place of Cain who was... Uh, of Abel who was slain. And they were taken to, to Saturn. And, you know, there are, there are different places in the Bible that, it just, that Saturn is missing. Amos 5.26, Shion, and, and, and also as Riphan in Acts 7.43, and that's in the Revised Standard Version. So those things are extremely important extremely important okay so as we begin to get into some uh, of these revelations uh, I've, I've got to talk to you about these things because they're going to help set up the the meaning of of what we are are teaching on we're going to, we're, we're going to we're going to see some incredible things here now uh, I've quite, uh, you know, talked to you quite often about the four genetic rivers. And um, uh, the four genetic rivers are, are mentioned in the, uh, the book of Genesis. And, and in the uh, second chapter of Genesis and the 10th verse, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. And the name of the first is Pison, is that which compasses the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. There is uh, Delium and the Ankh stone. And the name of the second is Gihon, the name of the, it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidekel, that is which goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And these rivers were genetic rivers. And we have to understand that's Bible language. That's Bible language, this thing. So if you will get into your Bible and you will read your Bible, Revelation 17.15 interprets it by an angel. 
And and in 1715, it says, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So an angel is saying, Waters can represent people, they can represent nations, they can represent multitudes, they can represent tongues. Then we had Isaiah uh, 8, 7, and, uh, and I don't know how, how much plainer that the Bible can get to show that this is the language of God. And I know I've repeated some, I'm repeating some things here today, but I feel I've just got to do it because I keep having people asking me the same thing that I've already covered. And, and, and we, we see in the 8th chapter of Isaiah and the 7th verse, Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. He shall come up over his channels, over his banks. He shall pass through the Judah. He shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck. And the stretching out of his wings shall uh, fell the breath of the land of Emmanuel. So here we have, we have this, this, this whole group and their whole army that they're called a river. And it's there. It's the language of the Bible. This was the king of Assyria and his whole army and his people called a river. Now look at Jeremiah 45. Go to, go to Jeremiah 45, and let's see what that says. Here, here's another one. There's, I'm going to only read you a few, but there, because you need the variety. And, and, and there are so many other scriptures. This is just like, just, just a handful. But in Jeremiah 45, verse 7 and 8, Uh, did I get the right scripture here? Hold on. Uh, Jeremiah 46, 7 and 8. Who is this that cometh up as a flood, whose waters are moved as rivers? Egypt rises up like a flood, and his waters are moved like rivers. And he saith, I will go up and uncover the earth. I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. Genetic rivers. How do you get any player in that? You got an angel in one case that interprets it. You got all these scriptures that interpret it. Let's look real fast at at um, at, at the scripture in um, uh, Ezekiel thirty-two. Ezekiel thirty-two. Here we go. We're going to look at uh, verse two and three. Ezekiel thirty-two. Son of man, take up a lamentation for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say unto him, Thou art like a young lion of the nation. Thou art as a, a whale in the seas. Thou cometh forth with thy rivers, and troubleth the waters with thy feet, and falleth their, their rivers, their genetics, uh, their people. Thus saith the Lord God, I will therefore spread out my net over thee with the company of many people. The net is connected to the river idea, the water idea. It's all about genetic rivers. It's Bible. It is a Bible thing. Okay. So, I just wanted to make sure you, you're you getting this. 
and your understanding. We're not, we're not just bringing a bunch of frivolous uh, things here. You know, we, we are bringing some incredible, absolutely fantastic, revelational things. And, and we want you to get into it. And we want you to understand it. You know, now, now to, to understand some other things. We have to understand how that translation-wise, there, there were things that were done for the benefit of making it easy uh, for the people to read the Bible. But that in doing that, there were certain things that just were not uh, revealed. So like the word hell, H-E-L-L. Uh, they used one word uh, to sort of describe a place of torment or death. You know, instead of Hades, instead of Gehenna, you know, uh, instead of Tartaru, uh, they called all those places the same name, hell. But when they did that, they took away from the meaning of the different kinds of hell and they left the idea that there's only one kind of hell even though the Bible talks about going to the lowest hell, which makes it very clear that there are different kinds of hells at different kinds of levels. So there was a, a truth there that, that did not get understood. Now that same kind of truth affects things like the word God and Lord. And so you get into some of these revelations about God and Lord, and people think they've really got it down. And, and they don't realize that, for instance, that the name angel has been translated many times in the Bible to the word Lord and even to the word God. They don't realize that the word judges has been translated to the word lords and gods. They don't realize that the Tetragrammaton, the four uh, letters of the sacred name that, of course, the, the enunciation, the pronunciation has been lost, but the, the YHVH or the YHWH, that, that it has been compromised By these, um, by these Mesor uh, these Mesoretes, these Mesoretic priests, I call them, who put all these little dashes and dots in to indicate the vowels that should go with with the words. And so, when people get into the Bible and the ones that have even noticed this, a lot of people haven't noticed it, and they see four letters of the word Lord, L-O-R-D. And if it's all capital, then they say, well, then that word had to come from the word that means Yahweh. And we, we call it Yahweh-El. It has to come from the word Yahweh. But that is not necessarily true. That is only thought to be true by a lot of people that don't know the really deep uh, aspect of understanding of that. And so that that is so important, and we're going to get a little bit more into that for sure. But it's like, for instance, this thing that the Jews have, and which a lot of the Christians of the day have taken, called the Shema. The Shema is in Deuteronomy 4, or pardon me, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And so 
people have taken this and they said, no, there's, there's no other gods. There's only one. And so Deuteronomy 6.4, known as the Shema, and it's a big doctrine of the Jews, has always been Israel's great confession. Now, I'm going to read this from the Jewish um, Christians, these, these, these Jews for Christ, who are uh, very well adapted in, in the Hebrew language. And, um, and you, you can really learn something here. It says that... Um, And, and, and just hang into this and please, please listen and, and really get this. Okay. Now, this is back again. We're, we're talking about the Shema. Okay. It says, Is this verse more than any other that is used to confirm the fact that God is one and is used to counteract the concept of plurality in the Godhead. But is this a valid use of this verse? On one hand, it should be noted that the very words are God are in plural in the Hebrew text and literally mean are gods. However, the main argument lies in the word one, which is the Hebrew word ekad. A glance through the Hebrew text where the word is used elsewhere can quickly show that the word ekad does not mean an absolute one, but a compound one. For instance, in Genesis 1.15, the combination of evening and morning comprise one ekad day. In Genesis 2.24, a man and a woman come together in marriage, and the two shall become one ekad. In Ezra 2.4, we are told that the whole assembly was as one. Ekad. Wow. Though, of course, it was composed of, of numerous people. A rather striking example is Ezekiel 37.17, where two sticks are combined. Two sticks are combined to become one ekad. The use of the word ekad in Scripture shows it to be a compound and not an absolute Unity. There is a Hebrew word that does mean absolute unity. That is yakid, which is found in many passages, the emphasis being on meaning only, only. And this is not a word that was chosen by the Holy Spirit to use. So when it was saying there is this one God, And using the word ekad, it was showing the compound reality. So when we talk about the seven, the seven spirits of God, and that how each spirit represents the plurality of those angels that were in their universe that, that overcame, it's exactly the Bible language. It's exactly the Bible language. And then as we look at words like um, Elohim and YHVH applied to two personalities, so even in the case for plurality, which is very strong, there are situations in the Hebrew scriptures 
where the term Elohim is applied to two, personal, two personalities in the same verse. One example is Psalms 45, 7 through 8. The throne which is of God shall stand forever. The, the, the scepter of the kingdom is right, a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hateth wickedness. Therefore, now hear this, therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy, thy uh, fellows. Another example, but I will have mercy, and this is Hosea 1.7, I will have mercy upon the, the house of Judah, and I will save them by Jehovah their God. And I will not save them by bow, nor by word, nor by battle, or by horsemen. And it just goes on and on and on and on along those lines that are so extremely very, very, very important. And we really have got to get this, ladies and gentlemen. Because if, if you don't get these factors that I'm trying to share with you here today, then you will not understand the revelation that I'm trying to bring to you. You will not understand it. Because you you'll you'll be you know, you'll be you'll be confused uh, you know, with, with other things. You know. Now um uh when the Mesorides, uh the Mesoridi priests, Mesoridi, you know, when they when they uh began to put the, the vowels in uh, that uh, they they did something else. Uh, they also put the same vowels in with words that actually mean, meant a you know a doni master, which was not uh, the the word uh, Yahweh or, or the word that people consider the the sacred word. But they did that to guide readers uh, to say doni uh, allowed in the synagogue services so that they wouldn't accidentally try to pronounce uh, the sacred name, which had been lost anyway. And they were used, they are using four letters. And so when a person goes in the Bible, there's no guarantee that every time you see these four capital letters for the word uh, God, that that means that that that, that is guaranteed to be uh, one, one of the tetragrammaton uh, words uh, of, of the Yahweh. And, and, and there are... There are other uh, important uh, in, uh, situations, like in First Kings eighteen twenty four. First Kings eighteen twenty four, um, uh, you call on your Elohim. Now, this is when Elijah is talking to the to the prophets of Baal. He says, "You call on your Elohim, and I will call on the name of Yahweh." Now, Elohim then. It means gods, but it doesn't guarantee it that when it says Elohim, that it means the good gods. In this case, it was the bad cause, cause, gods, uh, the, the, the gods of, of Baal. And, and because the Bible is done like this, people don't get, they don't get the truth. They don't get the understanding. They, they don't get the revelation. Because without knowing these, these different applications, you call on, on your Elohim, I will call on the name of Yahweh. And the Elohim that answers by fire, let him be Elohim. So here, Yahweh and Elohim are combined to mean the same thing on one hand, but not to mean the same thing on the other hand. On the one side, Elohim means the, the, the gods of Baal. On the other side, it means the gods of Yahweh. 
So you can have places in the Bible, as we will see, that can say Lord, but it's not talking about the Lord Yahweh. And until you get that understanding, you'll not be able you'll not be able to really get the whole truth. Now in Genesis two four it says these are the generations in the day that the Lord capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, God, the Lord God. You've got the Lord and you've got God here. And 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 uh uh you get this more and more and more. Genesis eighteen twelve through 13. My Lord and the Lord said to Abraham. So it's my Lord, which was in this case meaning Abraham. And then there's and the Lord, meaning Yahweh, said to Abraham. Now, when you've got places in the Old Testament that say the Lord, L-O-R-D, said to Abraham, but it's represented as three angels. We have to understand this is not talking about the invisible God. This is talking about Jesus as Yahweh or Yahweh, whichever one you prefer, being manifested in another form as it describes it in the, the 16th chapter of Mark that Jesus appeared in other forms, describing way, way back to Abraham as an angel. And he had a description of the capital L, capital R, capital D, but he also had the inscription of Elohim. So it's so absolutely important to understand and to rep- recognize these. In Psalms 82.6, John 10, 34-36, God as represented is is used. And uh, that is true also of Exodus 2, 21, 6 and Exodus 22, 8 through 9. God is represented. And and uh, judges were called uh, were called gods. And and we can find that in uh, uh, you know uh, Exodus twenty one six Exodus twenty two eight six because these ju- judges were representing God, and we even find that there's a scripture that that very clearly indicates that to reject a prophet is equal or the same as rejecting God. First Samuel eight seven. So we we've got this thing about God is represented. And people don't understand that sometimes there's some, some of these people that are using the name God because you know, judges, there's good judges and bad judges. We learned that in the book of Samuel. The sons of, of, of Samuel, were, were Samuel were bad judges. But as judges, they had the name God or Lord. We've got to get this down, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to get it down. And as we begin to get these things down, we will start to we will start to see some truths that have been lost. We'll start to get into some absolutely incredible revelations. Now, um 
Let's look at, at this one. I've preached this different times. But let's look in... Um, um, let's look in Second Samuel 24.1. The book of Second Samuel 24.1. And again, the anger of the Lord... Capital L, capital O, capital R, D, was kindled against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and go number Israel and Judah. Now this basically is saying the Lord Yahweh, because it got the capitals there, he got angry, he lost his temper. And so he moved upon David to go and number the children of Israel, which would cause David to make a transgression because God had told Moses and David not to number the children of Israel. And so God was telling him to do something that he had told him not to do. And as a result of numbering the children of Israel, there would be a terrible plague come upon the people of Israel, and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, and thousands of people would die. But Yahweh was telling them to do this according to this because they used the capital L-O-R-D. And yet, we know if you go back to the oldest text that is available for the Bible, that there are no vowels. It's all in consonants. So that means that the letters that are there as consonants, that is the sacred name, there is really no way to know for sure what that name really is and for sure how to apply it. And even though the, the, you know, the Masoretic priest put their dots and, and, and their, their dashes in to try to show which were the vowels and so forth, they weren't always correct. They made some mistakes. We can find those mistakes. They made some mistakes. Now let's just look at this scripture. Let me read it one more time. And again, the anger of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, was kindled, was stirred up, was, you know, against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, go number, is go number, you know, Ju go number Israel and Judah. Now turn to 1 Chronicles 21.1. 1 Chronicles 21.1. Now 1 Chronicles 21.1 seems to give a different story. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Now we either have a contradiction in the Bible, which all of these churches then that say that that there are no errors in the Bible have a problem. Or we have a misunderstanding of the translation. Obviously, it's going to be a misunderstanding of the translation, and there's no way of changing, uh, a, you know, a, Satan into making him be Yahweh although there is a time which he stood 
in the place of Yahweh as the covering cherub angel. When the Bible says that this is before the war of the angels in heaven, but it says, I think it's the 28th chapter of Ezekiel, that, that as a cherub, he was the covering angel, and this was happening during creation. And so the morning stars are called morning stars because stars represent angels, metaphorically, symbolically, and the first stars of the universes was the first universe, Troniverse. And so because Troniverse was the first universe, they were the morning stars. They were the beginning, the morning stars. So they were called morning stars. Lucifer was of the cherubim, so he was, that was a later universe. He was not of the morning stars. But when he stood in the place of Jesus Christ, Yahweh, or Yahweh, and took his job while they were in creation, spiriting creation, he took that title also, Morning Star. And then that's why both Lucifer, Satan, and Jesus have the same title of the Morning Star. Because that originally was just a title, title that belonged to the, the, the Ophanim from the first universe and to y Yahweh, Jesus Christ, Yahweh. But then when he was put in that place, acting in place of, representing, he took on that title also. And then he just kept it and didn't relinquish it. And he was refusing to relinquish it. And that won't be settled until the white throne judgment. So now we begin to see that that chapter that we read to you in Samuel, when it says, Lord, L-O, capital O-R-D, that here we got the Masoretic priests that have made a mistake. They have jumped at the conclusions and they created a contradiction. If we want to get really, really technical, we could say that that title could in a very unusual way still apply which means am I am and I am because he still retained the name morning stars and he was still he was representing Yahweh but in the real final an, an, an analysis of it we have to understand that it was Satan who, who did this to the children of Israel and did this to, to, to David. And that is a really big difference of who was to blame and who was not to blame. Now, we have this thing we preached on last week about the fifth day of creation. And we have this scripture in, um, in the book of uh, Revelations. That is a very, very interesting scripture. And I think it's what, the ninth? Yes, the ninth uh, uh, chapter. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, 
and there arose the smoke out of the pit. And we see he's involved in manufacturing here. And in verse 11, it says they had a king over them, which was the angel of the bottomless pit. And we find out that we're talking, you know, satanic, satanic uh, being here. And so isn't that interesting that that's the fifth day and we're talking about the fifth day? Well, what else is there about the fifth day that is unusual? What else is there about the fifth day unusual? Well, I, I want to put some things together. It's interesting that, that Lucifer really wanted to get involved with the DNA and he wanted to get involved with the senses. And you know, there, there are considered to be five senses that human beings have. And so that's an interesting connection when we look at Genesis and the fifth day and we look at the ninth chapter of the fifth angel sounding and the keys are handed to Lucifer. And when we look at the, at the number five, with a little bit of checking, we can, we can discover that there is a phenomenal reveal of the number five. It, it has a transforming uh, life uh, to, to its connection and linkage. Uh, a multifaceted number which links to the state of physical and mental status of mortals. We can think of the Star of David with the, the five the five points. And we can think of, of some other scriptures. Let's look at while we're at in, in the chapter 9. And interesting how on the fifth day this is going to be connected. And let's look at um, verse 10 of chapter 9 of Revelations. Where it says, and he's talking about these these locust creatures, which we call mantis. And they had tails likened to scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. Well, if you get out of this thing where you're thinking in the terms of months being months and and weeks being weeks, like in, when, when the angel Gabriel appeared to, to Daniel, one of the first thing he did is begin to change all that kind of nonsense. He said, days mean this. Weeks mean this. Years mean this. So we begin to find out that all those different count of, of days, uh, they, they represent it, you know, they represent a time, times, and a half times. They all came back to that. And so we're seeing that some of these revelations all come back to a certain kind of meaning. So this period of five months, it doesn't really exactly mean five months. It's back to this other meaning of this number five on the fifth day of creation. And this fifth angel that gave the keys to the bottomless pit to, to Satan. It's talking about these critters that will have the right to do this torment for five months. And now what if we're talking about like I was saying in, in, in the 20th chapter of Revelation about the beast 
and how that the beast would 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 you know the antichrist beast would speak to the the beast and the people and try to get the people to accept to bring forth the the kingdom of satan that's within them the beast that's within them so that they could really fulfill their 666 but not in a hundredfold way for god but in a hundredfold way for for satan so that this torment is becomes begins to be the result when people begin to 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 allow these beasts to come forward in the, their selves and this five months doesn't mean five months but it means a particular thing, a particular generative thing. That is bringing forth the jump of the genes and their DNA. And that this DNA of the dragon begins to, to come out in them. We know that in Matthew 25 and 2, the Bible talks about there were five there were five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. We see the doubling, the parallel of these things all the time. The five wise, the five foolish. And, and it's all connected to the thing with, with humans and all connected to the thing with virgins, meaning all tying into the, the propagation. And it's like the tree of good and evil knowledge and, and the tree of life. And right, the divide of the Garden East and the Garden West, I had someone say to me the other day, I, I don't see anything where it says Garden West in the Bible. And I said, well, sure it does. It's there abstractly, very clearly. Because it says that the Garden, the garden um, uh, of Eden w w was, was put in the East of the garden. And the, you cannot have an east of the garden unless you have a west. Otherwise it can't be an east. East only becomes east because you have a west. Up only becomes up, up because you have a down. Down only becomes a down because you have an up. Deeper only becomes deeper because there's a level up above the deeper. So you automatically have a west because you have an east at the east of the garden. And then you begin to understand that that is only the east of the garden, so there's other parts of the garden then that are not east. So then you've got the east garden and you've got the west garden. And then you've got the tree of life and you've got the tree of good and evil knowledge, which are in the middle between the two. And the tree of good and evil knowledge is on the side that is toward the west side, and the tree of life is on the side that is toward the Garden of Eden east side. And so you've got the five wise and the five foolish virgins. And the difference that's going to be between these two is that the one group is into the Holy Ghost. They're into the oil. And they've got the oil. And they're ready for the coming of the Lord. And the other group They've got all of, all of the mechanism of, of traditional doctrines and theology, 
but they don't have the Holy Ghost anointing. Because they are more into the kingdom of Satan than they are into the kingdom of God that's within them. Someone says, well, how do you know that? Well, that's why they're foolish. A person that's a fool is a person that has the opportunity to know, but doesn't do what they know. And that's why they become a fool or foolish. And we're talking about, in these examples here, we're talking about the people, the foolish people. That they're exercising the kingdom, uh, uh, they're exercising the kingdom of the beast, the kingdom of Satan, instead of exercising the kingdom of of, of God within them, that that's involved with the Holy Ghost anointing. And those are the things that are going to make you whether you whether or not you're going to listen uh, to to the Antichrist beast and, and and begin to make an image. Saying you need to do more now than than just you know be be foolish, you you need to you need to make a recognition to this kingdom of of the devil that's within you. And you know what he'll do? He'll offer you like he did Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, because the kingdoms of this earth belong to him, and that's what it says in the book of Revelation. It absolutely does say that. And I know that there's a lot of people who don't understand that. They just plain do not get it. They just plain do not have the truth. And because they don't have the truth, it has put them in darkness. And how sad, how sad is that darkness? And here it is, right in the 11th chapter of the book of, of, uh, of Revelations, 1115. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. Well, who's, who's, what, who's did, who did, did this kingdom belong to before? Well, Satan knew that at the time it was his kingdom when he took Jesus up on the high pinnacle, and he says, Look, uh, I'll give you all these kingdoms. These are my kingdoms. I'll give these to you if you'll just fall down and worship me. But there's going to be a day when, when those, the, the, another angel comes and takes the key away from Lucifer. And the, and the, and the kingdoms of, of this world become the kingdoms of Christ. But right now, there, Ephesians 12 and 5, 12, uh, you know, and, and uh, pardon me, 6, 12, chapter 6, verse 12, it's the, it's the war between powers of darkness and, the, and principalities of darkness and the principalities and powers of light. We've got to get that down. And we've got to understand this thing of the five foolish and the five uh, uh, wise, the, the, the division there. And the Bible says, he that is wise will count the number of the, of, of the man. Count the number of the man. You're going to find out that it's talking about these beasts. Even in Second Chronicles, 3.11 and 12 and 16, it talks about that one wing of the cherub was five cubits on one side, touching to the wall, and one wing on the other side was five cubits touching to the wall. And the, the cherubims are representing humankind. And where is that depiction being displayed at 
other than on top of the, of the, of the Ark of the Covenant in the mercy seat area. The mercy for the salvation of God's people depicting both the five cubics on the one side, the foolish version side, and the five cubics on the other side, the wise virgins side. Because the cherubims, just as we show it in Ezekiel 1 and chapter 10, and in, and in Revelations, are, are representing, standing in, standing in for the humans, because the humans used to be ophidims, and, and they were supposed to be involved in a new creation, but when they fell, they had to go into the creation. Wow. And so there's another phenomenal revelation of the number five. And in Isaiah 36 and 17, the Bible says, at the rebuke of five, multitudes will flee from you. At the rebuke of five, this thing five has a symbolism that has been left to be out of touch with Christian understanding because they haven't been able to connect the links and put this whole story together. And if we were to get a little more technical about this, this uh, uh, situation of, of the implanting of Lucifer and how that he did it, it's an incredible revelation. It has to do with wave transforms that are relational to the number five as to convolutional implanted harmonics that jump the time sequences and create an underlying reality of a signal that can come forth generations and generations later in offspring of the genetics. It is, it is maybe even better understood like in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15 where it talks about Satan himself is able to transform as an angel of light and that this transformation is all part of the same kind of wave transforms that are relational to this number five as to the convolution of being able to make these wave transformations. And in, and, and in these wave transformations, uh, it has to do with data staging and, and, and storage that ties into the transformations. Wow. Wow. Now, as we begin to get into these things, just to show how this all ties into the rivers, these genetic rivers, just to show how this all ties into something from within us. Let's look on the, on the holy side of it. Like John 7, 38. From out of your innermost being will flow rivers, rivers of living water. Living rivers. Now if that's true on the kingdom of God side, the five wise virgin side, 
the angel wing of the cherubim on the positive good side, then that's true on the foolish virgin side that there's this possibility of this of people's innermost being, you know, because what a man thinketh, the Bible says that's what you are, and that they're being like these rivers, genetic rivers, that can flow out and begin to create the living aspect of your life. Now, if we go to the book of Jude, and we look at Jude 4, it says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained. Now, the word ordained can also mean prescribed, before set forth to write or inscribe, to be in front of, to be superior to, to be inscribed prior. So we see that here are some men that the Bible says are going to come forth and they have this information, this data that of old ancient times has been inscribed to them. This message, this satanic message, this kingdom of God within message. And that's what the word ordained means. Verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are destined for that because they have had this input of this information. Wow. Are you, are you hearing this? Are you hearing this message? It is absolutely incredible. I mean, I... I'm seeing the time flying away from me, and I haven't even begun to get into this message. I haven't even gotten back into the fifth day thing. But, I mean, we've got to, cut, we've got to get over these foundational parts. I mean, there's a scripture in Isaiah that talks about the Lord hissing. Well, I don't believe that every time it says the Lord hissing and doing all these, you know, to hiss is one of the things that you think of that a snake does. They hiss. And when you read this very carefully, this voice that is hissing is causing, it's calling for the flies. And when you understand that, that, that the flies are connected to Bilzeba, which name means Lord of the Flies. As you begin to get in that revelation of the Lord of the Flies, and you begin to see into this signal that it can actually be tied in quite different than anybody ever thought. And when you begin to realize that in Jude 10, it talks about people that are brute beasts. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an incredible thing. These wave transforms are relational to the number five. These genetic rivers are all part of the truth. And when it talks about bringing these things upon the people, we can see that that is tying in to Joel 2.2.10. There's a, there's a part of Joel 2.2.10 that sounds just like this Isaiah thing, 
where these people go forth and 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 they do these various kinds of feats, and that these particular uh, uh, critter, beastly critters, you know, that are coming forth are like the mantis people, and and they're like these genetics of the beasts that are coming forth. And of course, I don't have time to really, really, really get into it, and I didn't even get to open the Seven Thunders book and all the good stuff I had there, or to get back to read about the, the the incredible revelation that I opened up last week on the word uh, Phil, and how that that, that was a revelation uh, that 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 had to do uh, w- with an incredible, uh, t- incredible touchdown. Uh, in in the Akal revelation uh, of of a setting of gems, uh, you know, in 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 human beings, uh, way way back when, which all tied into the uh, to these uh, stones of fire, which were the Koun demons, Koun to to Lucifer, which were involved in doing their part on that fifth day in creation, and I'm going to get into that next week. And we're going to really open up some things I just didn't get to open up today because I had to make sure you people are understanding these deep things that have to do with with the words of the Bible. Because if we don't understand how that how that there's these different meanings and, and what 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 applies and what does not apply, what is true, what is not true, then there is no way that people can rise to the truth and be set free. As you rise to the truth and are set free, there's a cleansing involved in that. And this cleansing brings you closer into the holy, holy, holy. And it even is something good for your body as far as bringing you into healing and opening up the vessel within you that belongs to the side of the five wise virgins so that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water and this on the other side of it the other wing of the cherubim is I read it to you in John that every man born into the world is born with the light you have the signals of God in you but you also have the signals of Satan And this division is the difference of the beast and the salvation of your spirit soul. Oh, dear people, I'm so burning with the fire of these revelations. It's like fire shut up in my bones. Pray for us. Pray for us to have the strength to get all this word out. Pray for us to have the finances to get it out. Pray for us for God's anointing to go before us. Let me pray for you right now. I love you. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, this day, Lord, our daily bread, the spiritual bread, the physical bread. Let us not be led into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Reach out, O God, right now to the listeners and heal them, God. 
heal their bodies. Take away the pain. Take away the suffering. Take away all of these things that are disrupting them. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn. He came to save. He's ready to forgive you of all your sins. He's ready to give you a pardon that wipes out anything you've ever done. May God bless you and keep you. We love you. Amen.